Starting in Acts 13, this is the final uh, section of the book of Acts. Like, this is it, okay? So, um, this is all centered around one individual, and that being, well, we're going to see Saul, but in this chapter, he goes from Saul to Paul, which was technically his more common name. It was his Greek name. So, if you're like, well, what's the significance behind the name change? It wasn't really a name change. It's just what most people knew him as, probably, especially being a Roman citizen. Yeah, he's Jewish, but a Roman citizen. Most of his friends probably called him Paul, and his dad was the one who probably called him Saul. Okay, so, um, so there's, it, it does mean little, Paul means little, Saul, he more than likely was named after the first king of Israel, um, is there significance behind all that? I'm sure there probably is, I'm sure there is, uh, but he goes from Saul to Paul, and, and the rest of this book is really focused in on him and these missionary journeys that he goes on, and how the Lord uses him to spread the gospel to the uttermost parts of the world, okay? It's, so this is fascinating. This is like where the, uh, not, not that the adventure begins, but it kind of presses on into like deeper waters, so to speak, right? Uh, when's the last time you were on a, an adventure? You're like, well, I walked out my door today, <laughs> um, so does that count? Well, maybe, we'll see. Um, no, but like when's the last time you went on an adventure, like a journey, like something you didn't know. You, you didn't know where the path was going to lead. You didn't know the things that were going to surprise you along the way. When was the last time you, you took a step of faith? I, in my brain, it, the, this, this book always plays out, but it's The Hobbit. The Hobbit, Bilbo Baggins, and he's like, I don't, we don't go on adventures. It's like, no, you do. But stepping out of that door and onto that road for an adventure. When was the last time you when was the last time you went on an adventure with Jesus? Remember Psalm 23? I read that scripture reading. This good shepherd who leads us. You know, he knows how to make us lie down when we need to lie down in the green pastures. He knows how to feed us what we need to be fed. He knows how to bring us next to still waters when we need a little extra dose of calmness within our lives. He knows how to anoint your head with oil to keep all the bugs away from you. That's like you know, Purell, for, you know, back in the Bible days, right? For sheep, they, you just dump some oil on their head and keeps all the flies and everything else away. Jesus knows how to do that. But part of that psalm is you're on an adventure with Jesus. And yeah, there's valleys, there's dark, scary valleys and all that good stuff. But when was the last time you kind of stepped out of the door and you said, all right, Jesus, let's go, let's go. That's what the Christian life is meant to be, okay? It's meant to be that. It's meant to be that. What we're going to see from the small portion of chapter 13 that we go through, you have Paul and Barnabas who get designated by the Holy Spirit, and then uh, that's, you know, prayed over and everything by the church, and then they are sent out on the adventure, on the adventure. Is it dangerous? Absolutely. If you know anything about Paul, I mean, it almost cost him his life several times. Shipwrecked so many times, beaten with rods and stoned to death and, and all that, bitten by a snake and, you know, you name it and it's happened to him. All while he has some sort of eye kind of thing that keeps messing with him. This thorn in the flesh more than likely that was happening within his life. It wasn't free of hardship not, a, not in the least bit, but it was an adventure. 
And when you get the, the opportunity to talk to Paul in heaven, ask him, hey, would you, would you trade it? Would you, would you do it all? Would you do it over? Would you do anything differently? Would you, would you have said no? Or he said, absolutely not. Absolutely not. I'd go on it again today. You can tell that that's his heart and that's his attitude. If you don't believe me, just read the rest of the New Testament and especially the books that the Holy Spirit penned through him. I mean, this guy had a heart for adventure. That's what missions is. Missions is adventure. I think that's a, a, rightly, uh, a rightly termed you know, term to describe mission work. It's, it's adventure. And, and the bonus of that is you don't have to jump on a plane to go to another country to be a missionary. All you have to do is say yes to Jesus and boom, you're a missionary. You're a missionary because you're on mission. So that can mean even just within your own neighborhood, within your own community. My encouragement as we go through this, and especially as we finish out the rest of this, this portion of Acts, um, and we are going gonna to mix it up a little bit. Some of you know this, some of you don't because you're new here. Um, at a certain point in time, I think, I, I don't have it listed in front of me, but within the next three weeks, we're going to transition to the book of Galatians because Paul is going to visit on this first missionary journey. He's going to be within the region of Galatia. And so it's not chronologically accurate that he would have written that book, you know, at this point in time. There are other books he wrote before that one. But we want to like take a second to pause the book of Acts and say, okay, well, let's look at what was written to these churches that were represented within this region. Okay. Um, but this is like the journey. This is the adventure. And, and here's where it kind of starts with Paul. And, and, and you'll note this context-wise. Um, it is always persecution that pushes out the believers, okay? Because back uh, in, in Acts, when uh, Stephen was stoned to death, um, that was basically the catalyst that caused Christians to scatter. And they begin to scatter out to different regions. And it, was, it wasn't through purposefulness in one sense. It wasn't like they had this meeting and they're like, okay, where do we want to hit first? They didn't do that. They didn't have like a missionary team and strategizing. No, it was like, run for your life. We need to get away from here because they're trying to kill us. And some of them ended up in Judea, some of them in Samaria, uh, and the Lord used that. And so this first missionary journey, or yeah, the first one where we're at today, you just had James killed by Herod. By Herod Agrippa, and, and this is going to spark this, this other movement that's, that's going to take place. This is going to lead to these missionary journeys. So in verse 25 of chapter 12, it says this, When Barnabas and Saul had finished their mission to Jerusalem, they were bringing a gift from the church of Antioch to Jerusalem because there's a famine going on. Their world was upside down. They returned to Antioch, taking John Mark with them. So verse, verse 1 of chapter 13. Among the prophets and teachers of the church at Antioch in Syria were Barnabas, that's our, that's our buddy, he's the encourager, uh, Simon, or Simeon, sorry, uh, called, I don't know if New Living Translation says this, the black man. Well, why would they call him that? Well, because he probably was black. Isn't that awesome? You should be like, yeah, that's kind of cool. Yeah, it's totally cool. Because what, we, we just watched that video. There was a, the, there's a cultural, like, just variance within the church at that point in time. It's, it was amazing. It's beautiful. Where you got 
You got these Jews together. You got Greeks together. You got him from, from Niger, which means that he was probably from, could have been from Nigeria. He could have been from southern, from, Af- from the continent of Africa. Uh, but different skin colors, different backgrounds. It's the, it's the way church is supposed to be. It's so amazing. I love that. Love that. It, it's, it's seasoning. You know, it's, it's seasoning within the church life. That's what you always want. You want a little bit of variety, okay? Not just all vanilla. You need a little bit of variety, if you know what I'm saying, okay? There's nothing wrong with that. That was one thing. I remember working at, at the church in Amarillo, uh, and I, I think I've shared this with you guys before. The only time that, as far as I know, that I've had like a, a vision, don't get weird on me now, um, but I was in our church building. We were remodeling this old grocery store massive grocery store, humongous. And I was up on the mezzanine, that's the, you know, up, upstairs kind of area, has an overlook of the, the mall area is what we call that, is we're building walls and stuff. And um, the Lord kind of gave me this vision of what was to come. And it was just out of random, out of the blue kind of a thing. But I looked out into the mall area and there was just all kinds of different people, different colors, races, backgrounds, ages, and I, I got to see, like, I mean, the mall was just filled with people from all different backgrounds. Now, if you know anything about our church at that time, we just moved to this building from a nice, comfy, cozy little church in the right neighborhood, so to speak. And we just bought a church in the wrong neighborhood. Um, and if you go up there today, what you'll notice is there's tremendous diversity at Grace Church in Amarillo, Texas. What was cool is we got to witness that happen over time. And, and for me, that was the most encouraging thing because I wanted to see nothing Nothing more than that. See, different people, different backgrounds, just to be able to come together and what? Worship Jesus and serve Jesus. That's how it's supposed to be. This is what you have here. So you got Simeon there, or uh, you got Lucius, the Cyrene, Lucius of Cyrene. Uh, I don't know if I'm saying these names right, but it's cool. They'll, they'll confront me in heaven one day, I'm sure, right? Maybe. Um, they're like, wait, who are you? Okay. Um, so Lucius from Cyrene, uh, Manian, the childhood compa- companion of King Herod Antipas. What? Imagine that, the lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch. Well, who's he? He's the guy who killed John the Baptist. He's the guy who Jesus was brought from before him said, you know what, put a purple robe on this guy. Let's smash some thorns into his head. Let's worship this king. Mocking and sending him off back to Pilate to get crucified. These two guys grew up together. And look at the different paths they took. Here you have him. He is now, he is one of the leaders within the church at Antioch, which is the church at this point in time. And his buddy, his best friend, went way this way. Isn't it amazing? You probably experienced that within your life. Think back, you got friends you grew up with, close personal friends, and maybe you, you've decided to follow the Lord and they just decided to go off, opposite. It's, that, can be, that can be a sad reality to deal with. But here he is. He's serving the Lord and, and he's one of the main guys used by the Lord in the church there. And the last, the last shall be first, right? And Saul. So these were kind of the main leaders at the, ch- at the church there in Antioch. 
It says one day, verse two, as these men were worshiping the Lord, good, good call, they're worshiping the Lord and fasting, another good call, another good thing. Here's something nobody is recommending to do during this state of crisis in our world. Um, hey, number one, spend some time worshiping God, praying, I would even say, and fasting. Well, why? I don't want to, no, 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 this is what we do. This is what we do. Something else you might want to think about, and this is just kind of off the cuff, um, I'm not saying this for us, uh, so, to, so to speak, but um, however you feel led to give and all that stuff, but bear in mind missions, organizations, that when the world is shutting down all around, you know who's going to suffer, right? I mean, you know that there's going to be missionaries. You know that there's going to be churches. And when everything is shutting down, now listen, the church belongs to the Lord. He can take care of the church all he wants. He knows how to do that better than any of us do. But it is something to bear in mind when you think about different mission organizations that are based here or maybe based somewhere else and all stuff starts getting shut off and you got people you got to support. Think about those guys. Pray about that, okay? So they're praying, they're worshiping, they're fasting, all things that believers should certainly be doing. It says, and the Holy Spirit said, dedicate Barnabas and Saul for the special work I have for them. This is fascinating. How did he say this? No one knows. <laughs> Nobody knows. Was it audible? Probably not. Probably not. And isn't that what we want? Just, just Lord, just tell me. Just speak loudly and clearly. He's like, I've been whispering to you your whole life. You don't want to listen to me with that. No, no, no. Give me a loud voice. I need, I need. Now, sometimes it's just, sometimes it's not a, it's, it's, Probably rarely is it ever audible. Well, then what is it? How do we discern the, if, if, if this leading is from the Lord or if it's from myself or maybe it's from the enemy? How do I, because I got voices and I don't think I'm crazy, but I think there's voices inside of me then I don't know which one to believe. Here, here's the deal. Here's a good way to test it out. Um, what he is calling them to do lines up perfectly with the scriptures, okay? He lines, it lines up perfectly with the scriptures. And, and, and that's always the first filter you want to run everything through is what does the word have to say about this? I feel like the Lord's calling me to do this. Okay, but what does the word have to say about that? It's also wise to bring in other people and ask for advice and counsel, okay? And pray, and fast. But the Spirit speaks and he says, dedicate or separate Barnabas and Saul for the special work that I have for them. So after more fasting and prayer, not that they didn't believe the Holy Spirit, but they want to confirm that this is what the Holy Spirit has said. There's nothing wrong with that. The men laid their hands on them and sent them on their way. This is, a, uh, this is an interesting thing here for sure. Um, so Paul and Barnabas are being separated for this special work by the Spirit, which means this. In order for them to be separated for this special work, they have to leave where they are currently. They could no longer be like, you can't, well, I'll, just, I'll stay here and we'll just go on the, no, it's like you're all in. That's technically what this is talking about here within the language there. No, separate. They, they need to be all in on this missionary journey. All in. Which means they have to say goodbye. They have to say goodbye to this 
I mean, man, look at this, this rad group of guys I just listed and the, the church body that's there at Antioch. But there comes a point in time when the Holy Spirit says, hey, I'm shaking things up. And it's time for these people to leave. They're like, no. No, that's how it works. Sometimes in church, and I've witnessed this because we've been working in a church for so long. You witness this. You never want to see anybody leave, but that's, we oftentimes put way too much value on the people that we have within our, our little churches and comfort zones, okay? We, I, I, just, I know these people. I'm familiar with these people. We have to always all stay together. That's just how it is. And God's like, that's not how I work. That's not how I work. No, no, see, what you're longing for is heaven. That will be a reality in heaven. You'll be together with your buds forever with Jesus in heaven, new heaven and new earth. Down here, it doesn't always work that way. It doesn't. And it's heartbreaking, right? Because you get so close to people. And, and we know this. We've experienced this. I've had leadership teams where you just go, I mean, you're brother, I mean, you are bonded with these individuals. And then the Lord steps in and he says, hey, glad you enjoyed that season, but it's over. That's not fair. Uh, no, see, the work has to go on. And sometimes the work going on means that people have to split. And this is a healthy split. This is not like a bad split. So I don't think this is like a bad thing. This is like these people are meeting together, they're praying together, they're fasting together, and the Spirit steps in and says, all right, hey, it's time to change it up. Paul, Barnabas, you guys are out. <laughs> I'm gonna, I need you guys to go and do this mission, which means the rest of you, stay put, continue on doing the work. But the rest, the rest of the world needs to hear the gospel, which means we have to be willing to go on the adventure. And we have to be willing to put the mission above people. That's a hard thing to say, and that's a hard pill to swallow. But if you're connected in Christ, you'll be together in the end. What matters the most? Well, Jesus said this, go and make disciples. Go and make disciples. Not go and make community groups where you guys just all hang out together and you never include anybody else and you never branch out to anybody else and you just have your holy little huddles for the rest of your life and you hope that that remains forever. That's not what he said. He said, go and make disciples. And sometimes that means our, our little groups have to split so that more disciples can be made. Christianity is a multiplication thing, okay? Not an isolation thing. So, just saying, right here in Acts, these guys had it good. I'm sure if, if we were a fly on the wall, you know, you're witnessing this. This isn't like, I'm sure there's some excitement that's there, but I'm, I'm also sure that there are some tears that are being shed at this moment because they don't want to break up the band, right? Nobody wants to see the, Beat the Beatles split up, right? Nobody wants that. I don't know. Um, I'm not a Beatles fan. I don't know. It just seemed right. Um, no, they, they, weren't, they didn't want this to happen, but it was necessary. It was necessary. Because if this group doesn't break up, you don't have a Silas. You don't have a Timothy. You don't have a Titus. 
You don't have the church of Ephesus. You don't have the church of Thessalonica. You don't have these things if these guys say no to Jesus. So the Holy Spirit interrupts their prayer meeting. Glad he does that. And says, all right, guys, it's time. It's time. It's time for an adventure. So verse 4 gives us some more, context, some more context concerning this first missionary journey. Yes, they were sent out by the church. That's important. But even more important is they are sent out by the Holy Spirit, okay? Because the church can send out missionaries all, all she wants to do. If the Holy Spirit isn't the one initiating that, oh, you, got, you might have some problems. Verse 4 says, Sent out by the Holy Spirit, Saul and Barnabas went down to the seaport of Seleucia, uh, and then sailed for the island of Cyprus. So why is Seleucia? It's a seaport. They're going to hop on a boat. But there in Seleucia, I'm sure they're spreading the gospel. I'm sure they're sharing the gospel. Why? Because they're super stoked about being on this mission. But they're going to head to Cyprus, the island of Cyprus, there in the town of uh, Salamis. And I always think of Salami. I don't know why, but I just do. Um, that's just always pops into my head. Uh, when they, they went to the Jewish synagogues and preached the word of God, John Mark went with them as their assistant. So it's Paul, Barnabas, John Mark. Afterward, they preached from town to town across the entire island until finally they reached uh, Paphos, where they met a Jewish sorcerer, a false prophet named Bar-Jesus, or son of Jesus, okay? Now, just so you're aware, Jesus was a super common name back then, okay? It, it didn't, it's not that Jesus of Nazareth had ex exclusive rights to the name, okay? There were a lot of guys named Jesus, all right? So he probably was the son of Jesus, but not just, you know, not the Jesus that, we're, that we know, okay? He's a sorcerer. He's a false prophet. He, this guy, um, our Jesus, he's going to get called something else later, but uh, he attached himself to the governor, uh, Sergius Paulus, a man of considerable insight and understanding, a very smart man. The governor invited Barnabas and Saul to visit him, for he wanted to hear the word of God. That's, that's amazing when the governors, when the, you know, the, some of those lead politicians want to actually hear the word of God. That's a great thing. And you know what should happen? They should hear the word of God. You want what happens to this guy to happen to anybody. Verse 8, but Elimus, see this is Luke saying like, I'm not even going to call you bar Jesus because I know Jesus and there's no way I'm going to associate you even a little bit with Jesus. I'm going to call you by your real name, Elimus, or that's his, his name in Greek, the sorcerer as his name means in the Greek. Uh, he interfered and urged the governor to pay no attention to what Saul and Barnabas said. He was trying to turn the governor away from the Christian faith. What? Yeah, listen, um, you may not want Jesus, that's fine. That's heartbreaking. But uh, if you stand in the way of others being able to hear about Jesus or receive Jesus, there's a very, very grave warning written in the Gospels concerning anybody who would lead little ones astray. He, I think even Jesus said, you know, it'd probably be better if you had like this millstone that weighed like a couple of tons um, tied around your neck and you're cast into the sea. That would be better for you than what God has in store for you. So there's a very clear warning towards anybody who wants to stand in the way of people being able to hear the word of God and to receive Jesus. He was, he was actively 
stopping these guys. I mean, he was doing everything he could to stand in their way. So, here you go, verse 9. Then Saul, also known as Paul, there you go, all confusions now taken away, <laughs> filled with the Holy Spirit, looked the sorcerer in the eye and said, you son of the devil, what? Bar Satan, bar Lucifer, like bar devil. That's he, Saul just changed his name for him. He's like, you're not bar Jesus, you're bar Satan, you son of the devil. That just sounds like a bad word, right? That sounds like you're like, oh, uh, what is, yeah, I, I wouldn't encourage you to go around calling anybody that. Um, but Paul, I, Paul's filled with the Holy Spirit. What are you going to do? You can't tell him anything. He's filled with the Holy Spirit, and he's going to call this guy like he sees him. I know who you're connected to. You're connected to the devil. This, and really, this was an attack from the devil, who we've, we also call the enemy, to disrupt this very first missionary journey. And there was a man who wanted to hear the word of God. And isn't it fascinating when somebody wants to hear the word of God that the devil will show up and do everything that he can to stop that from happening. You son of the devil, full of every sort of trickery and villainy, enemy of all that is good, will you never stop perverting the true ways of the Lord? And now the Lord has laid his hand his hand of punishment upon you, and you will be stricken a while with blindness. Paul knew, he knew a lot about blindness. He met Jesus on the road to Damascus, and he became blind. So maybe he's thinking, you know what you need right now? You just need to be blind. It did wonders for me, all right? So you're, you're messing everything up. So blindness, and it happened, and it happened. Like, does this happen? I well, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't recommend you going around trying to curse people in Jesus' name, okay? Like, that's not probably the best witnessing tool there. But sometimes, when you are out being a witness for the Lord, you should stand up and be bold. You should stand up and be bold. Especially when you got a bar Satan stepping in, trying to mess things up. Now, I would recommend that, you know, even read the book of Jude where, you know, Jude, you know, kind of goes through this whole thing where he says, look, the, you know, we, we don't curse the devil. We don't do that type of stuff. We don't speak against Satan or anything. The Lord rebuke you. The Lord, that's probably the safest, the best answer, okay? The Lord rebuke you, right? Let the Lord handle it. Paul is filled with the Holy Spirit. He's like, blindness, boom, and this guy becomes blind. Instantly, myths missed or a darkness fell upon him, and he began to wander around, wander around begging for someone to take his hand and lead him. A, a stark contrast in his life, the life that he had known, where, where he, like a parasite, had attached himself to this ruling governor, which meant he had probably a pretty good life. In an instant, in an instant, he's a beggar. He's, immediate, he's in immediate need of others to lead him around begging for someone to take his hand and lead him. Verse 12, when the governor saw what had happened, he believed and was astonished at what he learned about the Lord. Well, of course he is. He's like, whoa. He's like, man, look what happened to this guy. That's fascinating. And then it just shows us that Paul and Barnabas, they're there. They, they, they fight through the obstacle. 
and they present the word of God to this man who wanted to hear it. And he received it. He received it. Not just he received that, but he received the Lord. And he's astonished at the teaching of the Lord. What a journey. What an adventure. That's like day one, right? Like you can imagine Paul's journal as he's writing that night. He's like, man, this has been crazy. Let me tell you what happened. This guy got blinded. I don't even know what happened there. I just said, you be blind, and he's blind. And, and then this guy gets saved. And, and what we're going to see in a second is the entire village. The entire village is going to, ultimately, they're going to want to hear the word of God. <clears throat> but we've got to move on from this. We take a break from, uh, from this little, little, uh, little city where they're at. Um, and just, just so you kind of understand what, what's going to happen here, uh, this, things are going well. And, and I'll probably bring it to a close here because uh, I don't want to go too much further. Things are going well. Things are going really well. Right? We just, hear, we just saw this, this story, a great story. And, um, you know, man, it's exciting. Like a leader, a ruler is just transformed. And you're on that mountaintop experience. And it's, it's just awesome. You can't ask for a better time. And then it says, verse 13, Now Paul and those with him left Paphos by ship to Pamphylia, landing at the port town of Perga, where John Mark left them and returned to Jerusalem. But Barnabas and Paul traveled, uh, uh, traveled the island, uh, to, or traveled to Antioch uh, of Pisidia. That's a different Antioch. There's like lots of Antiochs. But so... If, if you're just casually reading through that, you're just like, oh, okay, that's weird. No, see, what happened here was they just had this tremendous experience, and then something happens with John Mark. Something happens with him. Maybe the severity and the danger of the mission trip gets to him. We don't know, but he bailed on them, and that's how Paul saw it. He saw it as John Mark who is Mark, who was used to write the gospel of Mark, he abandoned us. He abandoned us. He took off. He couldn't cut it. He couldn't cut it. And this, was, this is going to be a point of contention between Paul and Barnabas a little bit later. This actually will split up the dream team because when they go off for the, for the other missionary journey, Barnabas is like, Hey, my, my relative, my, my, rel my blood relative, John Mark, he should go with us. And Paul says, no way. No way. I don't have time for cowards. I don't have time for them. This is serious business. This is missions. It's already almost cost me my life several times up, up when they get to that point. And Paul's like, nope, no time for cowards. No, I will, we, no, no John Mark. So Barnabas goes his way with John Mark, and Paul goes his way. Now, is that how it was supposed to happen and all that stuff? I don't really know. I don't know, but it's sad when that happens within the church, right? When there's this dynamic, and it's good, and everybody, I mean, it's just, man, you're, you're just experiencing these amazing things with the Lord, and people getting saved, and crazy things are happening that, that just are unexplainable. And then somebody bails on you. And then that causes the separation to take place. 
It, it can be a sad thing. Church, church business is just messy business. It's hard. It just is. It's hard. If you've been a part of a church for any certain amount of time, you understand that. You've been through your own church splits and all that stuff. It's, it's unfortunate. Does it mean that the Lord can't use it? No, the Lord can use it. Did the Lord use Barnabas wherever he sent him off to serve him? Totally. Did the Lord use Paul? Absolutely. And in fact, at the end of it all, Paul asked for John Mark to come to him. That relationship is restored because that's ultimately the goal. Restoration is always the goal. Restoration. Paul, in the end of it all, says, you know what? Send me John Mark because he is beneficial to me. What a difference. What a difference. But that all starts here. As the, it, the intensity is, is amping up and John Mark's like, you know what, guys? Um, I think I'm going to go home with my mom. And she's got a nice house, real big house. We saw that already in the book of Acts. He's like, I think it just seems safer. And Paul's like, baby, right? Barnabas is like, ah, oh, dude, that's my cousin. And he's like, oh. but this, this stuff kind of happens. Um, but the, the show must go on. The show must go on. And it does. And it does. We'll see this next week. We'll finish out the rest of the chapter next week. As, as they are venturing to other cities, there were going to be more and more responses to what they have to say because they're delivering. They try to deliver the gospel to the, to the Jews one more time and the Jews, and they, they're just not having it. And so they finally, they finally say, you know what? To the Gentiles. And, and just this amazing thing happens. But this is kind of, this is just where we find ourselves within the book of Acts, this first journey. It's going good, it's going good, it's going good. Oh, no, John Mark just bailed on us. But do we cash in? Do we call it quits and all that? No, 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 we just keep on going. We just keep on going. Why? Because we're staying focused and God has called us to, to finish, to finish, to finish well. So what I would encourage you guys with um, right now is this. Um, be available to the Lord to go on an adventure with him. I can't promise you that this adventure is going to be without its heartaches. I can't promise you that everything's going to be smooth sailing. In fact, I'm going to tell you right now, it won't be. Um, but I can tell you this, the adventure, the journey is absolutely worth it. But you have to separate yourself unto him. Totally. All in. All in. All in. And just go on this journey with him. Go on this adventure with him and see what he does. And, and the people that are part of that along the way and the people that come, the people that go, the individuals who get saved, the individuals who are causing drama and stress within your life, it's an adventure. But never, never, ever, ever stop asking Jesus to take you on an adventure, okay? Take care of those wounds. Let him heal those wounds, but you gotta go on the journey. You gotta, you gotta keep going. You have to. It's worth it. The day and age in which we live is, I, you know, nobody knows it's gonna happen. Nobody knows it's gonna happen. Um, you know, a couple of weeks, a couple of months, I, nobody knows. But here's what we do know. The Lord holds everything in his hand. He's got it all in his hand. And he might be just sitting there saying, hey, 
You want to go on an adventure? You want to have some fun? You, you want that adventure? You want that excitement back in your life? You want to go with me? You want to walk with me through this valley? Let's go for it. Let's see what happens. You can trust him. You can trust him. He's a good shepherd. So, um, so for right now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray. Um, and, and I'm going to do something a little bit different. Um, we're not live streaming this. Of course, we're not, and Billy's not here today. The one day we said, hey, we're live streaming. Don't worry. And now we got no live stream. Um, that's a problem we need to fix. Uh, taking a note. Um, here's what I want to do. I'm going to pray. And then I'm going to open it up to where you can pray. Now, I know that's scary, maybe, I don't know. Um, but here's what I would say. If you want to pray, then pray. If you don't want to pray, it's okay. It's all right. But we do want to throw up an opportunity. You know, if our nation is saying, you know what we should be doing, we should be praying. Well, then let's pray. Um, if, so if, if prayer is an uncomfortable thing for you and all that, or if you've got to be somewhere, then you can go be somewhere. But I'm just going to pray right now, and then I'm going to open it up, and then I'm going to ask, Greg, if he doesn't mind, because more than likely he'll be up here on stage uh, eventually. But when there's an awkward amount of silence, and everybody's like, when are we going to stop this? Um, then that's his cue to pray. But I think we as a congregation, as a body of believers, should pray. So um, know this. Nobody is, um, nobody's got a scorecard on your prayer, right? If you say the wrong words, who cares, right? The Lord knows, right? Um, but all I would just say is we need to be praying for our world right now. We have to pray for our world. We have to. We have to. Okay? So let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for this day. I thank you, Lord, that the adventure still goes on. Lord, even in a, in a chaotic world right now, and it just seems so just unbelievable that it seemed like we lived in a different world just a week ago. And how quickly things can change. And Lord, maybe this, this virus is just a precursor of well, what we know and what we understand from your word. Worse things to come. And Lord, we pray, for our, we pray for this world around us. We pray for salvation, first and foremost. We pray for salvation. We pray that you would use this event within our, our history right now to turn people to you. Lord, we've seen this before. We've experienced this to a certain degree, Lord. We all remember 9-11 and the chaos that that, that that instilled and the fear that that brought upon our country for sure and how the church is filled up. And Lord, as we're seeing now, some of those churches have emptied out. And now we got a virus that is keeping everybody quarantined and home and, and Lord, whether they're here or not doesn't matter. Thank you for internet and live stream and things like that, Lord. But what, what our world needs right now is salvation. So we pray, for, we pray for our world. We pray for the ones that are hurting and they're confused right now. We pray for the ones who have lost loved ones. Death is a reality. We pray for healing for them. We pray for physical healing for anybody who has the virus, Lord. We pray that this virus would stop. And Jesus, you are the great physician, and you know how to stop viruses. So we just ask that, Lord. We, we ask that you would step in and that you would save this world from our sins. That you would rescue sinners, Lord. Lord, may the church be a beacon of light 
at this moment in time. May, may the church, the church being your, your, your sons and daughters, Lord, may we be a representation of, Lord, you, and that you're a safe place to go. So we just pray for that right now, Lord. We pray for leaders of our country for sure, Lord, that you give them wisdom and discretion and what to do and how to lead, Lord. We, we pray for the leaders of, of, of other nations, Lord, as everybody's scrambling to try to figure this thing out. I pray for medical professionals, Lord, doctors, surgeons, everybody and all our nurses, our beloved nurses that are dealing with this stuff day in and day out. Give them wisdom, Lord. Give them wisdom. We just trust you, Jesus. We trust you with this. We trust you with our lives. We trust you with our health, Lord. We trust you that the journey is still happening. The mission is still ongoing. Help us to stay focused on you, Lord, is, is what we pray. And I pray again, Lord, uh, that your perfect love would cast out all fear. Lord, as I'm reminded from the book of Philippians, Lord, that, that we would be anxious for nothing. Lord, replace all those anxious and worried thoughts and all that stuff with just thoughts about you. What's true? What's noble? What's right? What's holy? What's pure? Help us to think on those things, Lord. So we love you, Lord. And as we just open up this time to pray, Lord, I, I just pray that you would, you would just lead and guide and direct us, Lord. You did that in the church of Antioch, Lord, and help us as well, Lord. So we just want to, Lord, we just want to, and we want to lift up these prayers to you. And we want to hear from you as well, Lord. So we pray these things in Jesus' name.